This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Well, happy writing. I hope you all are writing since a lot of us are in uh, lockdown right now. And I thought that who best, who best could I bring to you that can maybe add some juice or what I like to call, let's get juicelating. Let's get going, some action going, some new ideas, some creativity coming in. Well, we're tapping into an amazing person. Uh, he is a member of Amazon's Hall of Fame authors. He sold, oh, a few books, like 71 million copies. Uh, he has best known, I think, that came out when he is really the brains behind the Left Behind series written with Tim LaHaye. With us is Jerry Jenkins, who is based here in Colorado, and I was delighted to have him inducted into the Colorado's Authors Hall of Fame in the first inductee class last year. And Jerry also has a very, very... I guess I shouldn't say very, very. We shouldn't use that word. He has an excellent class he does online um, for writing. So Jerry's joining us for the hour, and we're to go through tips, tricks, strategies on how you can get juicelating during this time, not only when we're kind of forced to be locked in, but also when you go into your zone as an author, as a writer, to get that next book or your first book out. So, Jerry, welcome to Author You, your guide to book publishing. Well, great to be with you, Judith. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm just so glad to have you. Now, think, you know, things have been dicey for a lot of people. Cabin Fever has been out there. Have you done anything differently to to uh, add to your routine? Well, I've frankly been surprised how difficult this has been because I've been working at home since the early 1990s when I went full-time freelance. And so, you know, staying home and working is no big deal. But when you're told you can't go out, uh-huh. that's what brings, to me, that's what brings on the cabin fever. And I, <laughs> I you know, we, my wife and I look for reasons to, to run out to the store or to, the, to a drive through or something. Um, it just, it really does feel confining, but, uh, I have to say I'm getting a lot of work done too. Well, I had, um, my cabin fever, which, which I also, you know, write, I, I write in different places, but, uh, it's so beautiful right now that I couldn't stand it anymore. And I now say I have a degree in how to fold precisely and compactly deck furniture covers. And I, I, I couldn't stand it any more this weekend, and I wanted to get out on the deck in the sunshine and just enjoy the outdoor weather, knowing that you and I in Colorado are used to having a little snow often in April. 
I, I just decided, the heck with it. I just wanted to get outside. So we have got our deck already set up. <laughs> That's great. I, I walked yesterday, and uh, and I I didn't today because I, I don't usually walk two days in a row, but um, I hear bad weather's coming again, so we, we need to enjoy this while we can. Well, let's hope it's not too bad. I mean, you know, if it, it Colorado, it's here today and gone tomorrow. So that's going to be my attitude. I'm, I'm going to be positive. So with that said, tell us about your writing routine. Well, when I'm on, uh, when I'm on deadline, that's when I write. You know, a lot of people think because of the number of books I've done that I write every day of the year, and I don't. I write when I'm, when I have a book due. And, uh, my, my process is, um, of course, the first day I, I start my rough draft, and I take my perfectionist cap off, and I tell my inner critic to shut up, and I just try to get my story down. Um, whatever number of pages I figure I need to write per day to make my deadline, um, that's what I go for. And I, I don't worry about cliches or, or redundancies or anything like that. And and then the next day, before I write any more, I I do a heavy edit and rewrite of what I wrote the day before. And I don't finish that until I'm happy with every word. And that's when I do have my perfectionist cap on and allow my inner critic to 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 speak loudly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of catapults me into writing the writing for that day. But it's too I, I really keep those two disciplines separate because if I I'm a perfectionist while I'm doing my rough craft. I never get anything done. I, I would, mm-hmm. I'd hate every every line, and I'd be trying to make it perfect, and and just can't do it. But this way, and and I try to tell students to do it the same way, except they don't have to do it every day. It could be every two or three chapters, or you know, some people like to write their whole draft before they start rewriting. My fear there is that I'm going to find something, maybe thirty percent in, that changes everything and I have to rewrite the whole rest of it. So I, I do it daily like that. And, uh, that, that's basically my process. So by the time I finish, I've got my second draft is done. And then I go through it one more time to make sure I've, you know, everything makes sense and that I've, you know, appealed to the senses and to the heart and, you know, that type of thing. You know, I, I like your method. For me, I actually will do the brain. I call it the brain dump. Uh, let, just let it go. Let everything go. I, I think that perfection is the kiss of death for a lot of writers if they start out trying to make every line perfect from the get go. Uh, that you can perfection can can come later. I always say perfection is a snowflake, and then I stop at that. But that um, I, I just really see a lot of people get in trouble uh, with trying to make it really perfect. So the idea of, of letting it all out, cliches are fine. <laughs> the, the redundancy, it doesn't matter because that's what editing does anyway. That's where you clean it up. So yours is, is the next day. I usually do it at the end of a chapter. I, I usually get a chapter done and then I go back and do the, the cut, cut, cut. So by the time it's done, you know, my second draft is done and then I like you. And when it's all done, I go back through again and then I turn it over to the editor. Then I kind of wash my hands. Yeah, I've heard somebody say that perfectionism is the enemy of productivity, which really makes Oh, sense. absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, and you know, and I, I always marvel because a couple of times I come across authors who have been working on their book for 30 and 40 years. And, I, and I'm just so stunned that anyone would be doing that. And yeah, that's, that's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I always ask them, so you really didn't want to finish it, right? <laughs> and that, that always goes over really well. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing you do, well, all right, so that's how you write. How do you, where do your ideas come from, Jerry? How, how does it bubble up? Because I, I, for, I'm a nonfiction writer, you know that. I am in awe of you fiction beast. How you can come up with these, some of these crazy ideas, the amazing ideas from the ground, and then you take them and run with them. I can see what to do with them once you've brought them out of the ground. I can help shape it. But the creativity just boggles my mind. Yeah, about, about two-thirds of my books have been fiction, and um, I'm not an outliner. When I write nonfiction, I outline because you know, the editor mm-hmm. wants to know what you're going to do and where you're going. But with fiction... My ideas usually come from two disparate places. I might be, I mean, hear about something or read about something, and it kind of rattles around in my brain. For instance, one of my favorite novels is one called Riven, which is about a guy who is in prison for, for murder. And, um, and he, he winds up getting to choose his method of execution. Ooh. I read a story about, um, uh, uh, what was his last name? The guy that uh, Norman Mailer wrote about in the Executioner's Song. Uh, mm-hmm. didn't come to me. His first name's Gary. But he was allowed to choose between four methods of execution. And I thought, what if a guy could choose any method of execution? And he chooses, because he comes to faith, he chooses to be crucified, not because he thinks he's going to resurrect or, or that his sins will be forgiven, but he really wants people to see what Jesus went through on the cross. And, uh-huh. um, but I was the, the way I got that idea. I, I was reading a story. Oh, it was Gary Gilmore. That's the name of the guy. Well, that was that was the that was the the his execution. Actually, uh, Norman um, uh, Mailer Mahler wrote the book, The Executioner's yeah, Song. Yeah, it's called The Executioner's Song. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. Um, he was allowed to choose between lethal injection, hanging, um, uh, firing squad, or gas chamber. And because he had shot his victims, he chose firing squad, which just sounds like the worst way to go. But that that just kind of rattled around in my brain. And then I happened to be at a um, a writers' conference that was uh, it was held at a at a convent or a monastery or something like that. And I'm I'm not Catholic, but being in this Catholic institution, I, I really studied a crucifix that was on the wall for the first time, and I was thinking, our Catholic friends don't hide the agony of the, the crucifixion. They show the thorns and the, and the spikes and the ribbon side and that type of thing. Well, those two ideas just kind of rattled around in my head for months, and, and when I finally got the idea, it was to have this character choose his method of execution and have it be crucifixion. And um, I find that that kind of that is, is kind of how a lot of my stories come together. It's not okay. one idea. It's, it's one that bounces off another. 
Oh, bounces. I love that. All right. So we're going to come up to our first break. And so I think what, what he has said is so important that the, that the idea that you hear something, you see something, maybe you experience something and all of a sudden it noodles and that bouncing off comes off. That's, I love that idea, Jerry. We'll be right back. It's all through you, your guide to book publishing. I'm Judith Browse. With me is Jerry Jenkins. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Is there a book in you? Or another? Author You shows you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out... You will find a supportive and brainstorming community that is connected and creative, no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual Author U extravaganza. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. Author Use, the premier authoring resource in the country, creating community, education, guidance, vision, and success for the serious author. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author You is for you. Timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted on its social media platforms, and it is free. Discover Author You, where authors go to become seriously successful. Join Author You today at authoru.org. Are you confused about publishing options? Do you know which printing option is best for your book? Does your stomach flip when you think about selling books? Or do you feel overwhelmed with what to do about book marketing and publicity? Get the answers and much more. Get them and from someone who knows publishing inside and out from both the traditional and independent sides how to make a successful book. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so. Or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand and platform, and is a success, a bestseller. It is your choice. You choose. If you want author and publishing success... You want Judith Bryles as your book coach. Sign up for her weekly blogs and e-zine at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author. Your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Hmm. 
With me is Jerry Jenkins, and holy moly, he has written nearly 200 books. His sales have exceeded 71 million individual copies, including the best-selling Left Behind series. He also teaches the craft of writing to thousands online, and you can find out more about what Jerry does. Just go to Jerry Jenkins. Dot com. All right, Jerry, one of the things that I have always said to authors is they, they number one, they need to determine who in the heck they're writing for. They've got to know who this audience is. And that whether it's the, the audience in addition to what's the theme of what they're trying to write about, that they need to be open to what's going on, what's, what's the common ground of conversation. I get that when I go to movies and I watch TV shows. Do you do anything like that? Yeah, I, I'm a movie buff, too. My, our oldest son is a, a filmmaker. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I really immerse myself in that field. And, um, and I, always, I always come away with, um, with ideas and also just inspiration because if it's, if it's moving, I always tell my son I, I like a movie that's not afraid to be quiet. I mean, action movies are one thing, but one that's really, you know, intense and has great uh, dialogue, uh, that just, that inspires me to to want to write books that are the same. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. So do you have any favorite movies right now? Wow. I wish I'd known you were going to ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I'll think about that. I I have... uh, some some stuff I, we've been kind of binge watching on television now too lately. Yes, and, well, uh, yeah, yeah. We we uh, I'll I'll think of some titles to tell you in a few minutes. Oh, wonderful! And then on t- on TV, um, I love good writing too. You know, when I when I come across it, um, it it's sometimes amazing. We discovered what was it? Um, I think it's on Netflix, uh, the Kominsky Method with. Oh, yeah. uh, Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin, there is some great writing in there. Yeah. Great writing in there. And when I told an ER doc friend of mine and his wife, and they, uh, Bruce called me back and he said, oh, finally, an adult comedy about men, men's friendships, which isn't the odd couple, or throwing pies in the face. He said, I love this. I love this. So, Yeah, that's a great line. We, we've really enjoyed, in fact, we just finished watching Unorthodox. It's a four-episode thing on, uh, I can't even remember if it's on Amazon or Netflix. We kind of switched mm-hmm. back and forth. Yes, but, we too. <laughs> yeah, it's about, it's about a, a young woman in the uh, Orthodox Jewish community in New York mm-hmm. who feels imprisoned and trapped with all the rules and she escapes from there goes to berlin and it's it's really really well done and and you learn so much about other cultures that way too we also like the stranger which uh, is a harlan coben who's based on harlan coben novel um anytime i say anything based on his work it's it's worth watching you know what i'll tap into that i've seen it because i actually am a reader of his novels you know, it's it's kind of my thing. I like to to just kind of fall into an escape for several hours. So that yeah, sounds I good to me. I wasn't happy to find out how much younger he is than I am. I, I thought he would have to be a hundred years old to be that good. But 
Oh, some some have that talent. You know, others of us have to really work at it. I mean, but really, Jerry, 200 books is nothing to sneeze at. Well, it never gets easier. That's the thing. People say something about, you know, how do you crank out so many books? And I'm thinking, boy, I wish I could crank them out. They get harder all the time because I want each one to be better than the last. It's just hard work. I mean, if you do it right, it's grueling work. Somebody asked me one time, when did you know you loved writing? And I thought, I can't. I mean, I love to have written, and I love to be a writer. I love to be known as a writer, but loving the writing, it's sort of like asking a marathon runner at the 20-mile mark, don't you just love running? I don't think they love it right then. They just love to be able to do it. And and complete it and get the completion. That's part of that process to to going through it. So, uh, you know, I just I just had a thought. Two hundred books. Here's a challenge, and I think that you've seen it a lot. I, I see it in the uh, people who write romance. They are in such a formula. I, I know uh, it's not my kind of genre that I read, but when I have looked at them, my daughters actually like them. I know exactly what's going to happen within the first chapter to two chapters. I can right. lay it all out. It's so in a formula for it. And I think that, uh, you know, you within your books, you've got good and evil, of course. So, but there's a real story in there. Uh, I just see a difference. And I think that sometimes when you are an author of a, an ongoing beloved series, you have got to bring something new to the table all the time. Yeah, each each volume has to be satisfying in itself and yet lead to the next and and work as a series but uh yeah you're right the formulaic stuff doesn't work for me and it's it's one of the reasons i guess i'm a pantser rather than an outliner stephen king says put interesting characters in difficult situations and write to find out what happens so your writing is a process of discovery i've I've had fans write to me and say why did you kill off my favorite character? And I, I can say, hey, I write as a process of discovery. I didn't kill him off. I found him dead, you know. <laughs> and uh, I think you, you need to bring that to the table. The, the idea of the last thing I want to hear from somebody is that, like you said, after the first chapter or two, you know exactly where it's going. I don't yeah. even want to know that as the writer, so it can't be predictable to the reader. Mm-hmm. I I have often found, and I you know my my cronies who are fiction writers, that that it's the true one of the truism is is like when you said you found your character dead, you didn't do it. it it's it's yeah. dead. That uh, I believe that characters in the fiction they start guiding where it's going, and you become kind of just the executioner. Uh, or maybe I should say the implementer of where they're telling you they want to go. Is there? It, it, yeah, there's a lot to that. And, and you know, you put characters on the page like Stephen King says, and they start saying things you didn't expect them to say. Um, they take you down different roads, and you really have to follow them. You have to trust your gut because it really is you. It's your subconscious that's that's doing all mm-hmm. this work. But, um, but characters come to life, and... Uh, Sometimes they take over series. I had a an orbital character in one of my um, mystery series one time. He was a detective, and I just thought he was kind of a funny guy. He was a an obese old detective, and he and kind of near the end of his career. But he was so funny and and so insightful 
that people loved him, and I did too. And I you know, eventually he just became the star of the series. Oh, don't you love that? No. <laughs> I love it. when you let it happen. If you will let it happen, I think sometimes people stop that natural uh, flow. Jerry, you probably do. I'm going to guess you probably do a lot of research in I do. your. So, so what does that all involve? What, what, what would be better yet? Let me ask you this and come back to the research. Tell me about the day in the life of Jerry Jenkins. Well, I'm I'm a, a real early riser. I get up well before dawn, and uh, and I try to get, especially when I'm on deadline, I try to get right at the writing because the writing I do before noon is going to be the best work I do all day anyway. And then in the afternoons, I I you know devote that to my writing guild and teaching and that type of thing. But uh, research is crucial, and I find it a lot easier now that everything is online. You have to be careful. Make sure your sources agree with each other because if you just go to one, it could be from anywhere on online. I mean, it could be somebody's opinion. So just be careful about that. But I, I find that I like to research about 60% of what I think I'll need to get started because I'm, you know, as a, as a pantser, I'm always eager to get started. Some people say, well, you have to interview your fictitious characters. You have to know where you're going. Mm-hmm. I have a rough idea where I think I'm going. But I'm always antsy to start writing. So I get a bunch of that research done. And then while I'm writing, little things come up. Because to me, it's important that research not become the main course. The main course is the story. Research is the seasoning. So if you're going to write about a a period piece, like I I write some biblical fiction, um, I have to have it correct what they're wearing and how far they walk and what, what... kind of temperatures they'd face and that type of thing. Um, but it's but that, as I say, it's just seasoning, just to give it reality and credibility. Um, and so as I'm writing, I, other things come up. And so I just make a note while I'm writing and say, you know, check this out or, or I add an asterisk and that, no, I have to research that. And when mm-hmm. I get maybe a dozen of those, then I'll just take a break and, and research more so I can keep up with it as I'm writing. Hmm. Well, I, I love that. And I, I one of the best advice uh, that I got was from an agent that I was working with at one time. And I was I was writing in the finance area and, and I said, I need to do some more research on this. And of course, the research back that we had to do 30 years ago is really different from what how we can do it today. But right. so. You know, from interviews of people to getting down and hand doing all the library and fill in the blank and more books to look at. And she said, stop it. Stop what you are doing. Just write. You can come back and fine tune this just like what you're saying. Fine tune it because it's stopping you from going forward. I never forgot that, Jerry. That yeah, and a lot that, of people use research as a, as a, a way to procrastinate. They'd, they'd rather oh. research than write. Huh? Oh, I love that whole thing. Listen, we're 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 up to our next break, a few seconds away. So I would love to, when we come back, with the amazing Jerry Jenkins to talk about the art of procrastination and how it can be your. It could be the thing that's holding not only holding you back, but you are into what I call self sabotage. Procrastination is not your friend. We're going to be right back. It's Author You, your guide to book publishing. I'm Judith Bryles. 
This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. Discover the power of you and your book at the Judith Bryles Unplugged events. Each summer, Judith Bryles Book Marketing Unplugged unfolds over three intensive days working with just Judith. You get publishing strategies, author and book platforms, book marketing panache and pizzazz, and authoring tools to take you and your book to rock star success. In the fall and winter, Judith Bryles Speaking Unplugged includes Judith as your coach and mentor during two powerful days. You will learn how to structure a speech, how to create openings and closings, how to find gigs that pay you and sell your books, and you will get one-on-one coaching. Go to thebookshepherd.com and click on the Events tab to learn how to participate at the next Unplugged Workshop event. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at Toginet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcast. The subjects our podcast cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching to military resources to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. So with me is Jerry Jenkins, and we were talking just before the break about you know, what's the life and times of Jerry Jenkins like? And what he did is he's revealed he's a pantser and he is up before dawn, which is actually, I'm up at four o'clock too. <laughs> I don't know if you're at four, but some, that's where my body says it's time, um, that I start getting myself organized for the day and the phones aren't ringing and I just have quiet time. Uh, to sit with a cup of tea and sometimes there's just a yellow pad you know in front of me sometimes I'm already on the computer Um, I mean we all have our different things we do to set the day before someone else tries to set it for you have you had that experience Jerry I have I'm I'm probably closer to 530 getting up but uh, it's usually still dark out and and I'm the only one up and that's really when you can be productive and uh you know, it's just I'm just better able to concentrate then, and and uh, there are things you know I don't always start writing immediately. I might check email, I might check the Ask Jerry section of my guild because somebody might have left you know a few questions. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of gets me rolling, and 
it's uh, it's it's fun, and then it's uh, then it's time to get to work. Exactly. In fact, I have said just what you said. In ninety minutes, I could get often more done than I can in six hours because then the phones are coming in, the emails are coming in, the texts yep. are coming in, um, and John comes in. So whatever. <laughs> I have all that I'm dealing with. And there's always, it's like your Ask Jerry section. Just yesterday, I had a a crisis call from a client. We were ready to go to print, literally, that we were moving the files to the, the book manufacturer to print several thousand copies, and I got the OMG call. We have to do this, this, and this, which required me to stop everything, which wasn't on my calendar to do, and reread that book again, line for line, looking for the hiccups that I had to go find. Wow. So, I know, but that happens. At that's least in life. The book. Life, life yeah. intrudes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but that's what happens with a book coach's life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, of course, it was important. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You know, for for dealing with possible li- liability issues. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, name changes and the like. Jerry, um, you so you've got your routine where you do your early morning. I loved it. You do your and and everyone. I, I think what's also important to say, everyone operates different. What what's Jerry's routine? Getting up at the crack of dawn or before, and then he does his serious writing. Then in the afternoon he does his coaching. Right. And and works with people, um, or whatever falls in the afternoon, on that. And we all have. I, I know I have certain days of the week where I'm not taking. Um, I, I don't take any client appointments, on that because I need to be focused right. on these things. And then um, then the other times is that that you know we're really set, and when I'm working with people, I you cannot. You know, I will ignore everything while I'm writing with a client. Like the two hours before we started, I was writing, rewriting extensive chapters with a client while she is watching me on my screen rewrite her words and, and getting her. Does this feel like, yeah, I always, does this feel like you? Does it sound like you? Am I going in the right direction? That kind of thing. Um, and, and so those can't be interrupted. And I suspect you probably have times where you cannot be interrupted. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you know, we were talking a little earlier on a on a break about the whole thing of procrastination. And mm-hmm. a lot of people say, "Well, you know, procrastination is killing me." And I always surprise them because I say, "You know, believe it or not, with all the books I've written and and the success I've had, um, procrastination is a thing for me too. It's hard to get started." And I said. You know, I, I tidy up my office before I can write, even though nobody's coming <laughs> to see it. I sharpen pencils I haven't used since fourth grade. Who uses pencils anymore, you know? And, I do. Uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> but but what, I've, what I've found with procrastination is I, I used to agonize over it because I, I would put the number of pages I need to write per day on my calendar, and then after I'd procrastinated for several days, I have to change the number of pages per day that I have to write to make the deadline. Mm. I keep the deadline sacred, but, yeah, I have to make sure I don't get to where it's too many pages per day. And so I finally figured out I need to just embrace this and decide that procrastination must be a necessary part of the process 
because my subconscious is working during that procrastination time. So what I do now is I actually schedule it. I, I have these number of pages Ooh. per day to make the deadline, and then every few days I'll just put in a day with nothing. And if I if I work that day, so much the better. But if I don't, I say, well, I scheduled it. It's, it's on the docket, and I know my subconscious is working, so I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And then I, and, but in that way, I can keep that deadline sacred and and still work within my own rhythms. You know. I love that. Uh, the number one, the acknowledgement that your subconscious is working, and this is. I, I think that you and I were sharing one uh, earlier that um, this is where I will drop out sometimes and go watch a movie. That okay, it's not working. I need to stop. I love the idea. Okay, I'm just going to schedule in my movie hours, and <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go knowing knowing that I'm still at work. And you know what? Here's what happens. That missing thing I was looking for, or maybe I was feeling a little stuck or whatever, it'll drop in. It'll drop in. So I have learned to always have sticky notes by my side. Mm, Interesting. That, because, yeah. I was going to say that the other thing that I have maybe a, a bit of a revolutionary view of is writer's fear. I hear from more writers that say, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can compete in this marketplace. The new publishing world is so intimidating, etc. And you get a lot of gurus who'll say you have to look within yourself for the power and and you know defeat the fear and all that. I finally came to the conclusion that fear may be legitimate. You may be right that you're not good enough and the competition is too steep and the you know, it, the, the new world of publishing is, is overwhelming. And so, but I say, don't let it stop you. Let it motivate you. Let it make you humble so that you never use shortcuts. You're always doing your absolute best work because of the competition, because you're not good enough yet, because of the, the new world of publishing, because people are getting published. So it's working for somebody. So be the one. That, that overcomes that way and says, I'll just embrace the fear and, and call it legitimate, and I'll write scared. I'll write the best I can write every time. Well, I always love, since you've mentioned Stephen King a couple of times, one of my fave books is his on writing. And he is very clear when he says in that, the way you become a better writer is you write. And yep. you write and you're right. And I, I, I'll never forget the time, Jerry, I was flying. But my very first book, this is now June 1981. My very first book is out. I thought it was going to be the only book because I always thought no one told me that books could breed more books. No one shared that insight with me. And I'm flying back to New York to be on Good Morning America. So I thought, okay, I'm going to read my book one more time. And I'm going through it. And I'm thinking, oh, Lordy, why did you write it this way? Really, Judith, you could have done better writing this. And I'm already rewriting the bloody book. And the fact is, I'm already starting to become a better writer. You know, you're all you will you start morphing the day you start doing. Yeah. And that's that's where it comes from. And to understand that. So I think writers fear we all have them. And, and you're so right that that I mean, some people some people are really poor writers for a variety of reasons. They just don't get it. So get some help. All right. You may, you have an awesome idea. 
you're brilliant in your creativity and your storytelling or you're fixing it or whatever it is, you can get help and learn that way. And I know, I, I suspect if you look at some of your first books, they're probably not your best. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, as I say, I always want each book to be better than the last. And, uh, you know, my first book came out in 1974, so we're going back when, when I knew the Apostle Paul personally, you know. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I look at the early stuff, and I think I'd love to write those today, but you write the best book you can write at that time. And you just keep learning and growing and, and be a lifelong learner. And, and that's what it's about. And you will keep learning. And here's the beauty. You know, there's no, for all of you listening in, there is not a sell-by date when it comes to you learning how to write and becoming a better writer. Um, it just, it's it doesn't exist as it does on a milk carton. And that's really, I think, a cool thing. Uh, yeah, to, my... To, my uh... My mother, my late mother, was a convicting example of a lifelong learner. She was a piano teacher and Mm. a piano student into her 80s. So she was both teaching and studying it. Yep. My John, at the age of 89, is still taking piano lessons. So, I mean, he's is he he as good as he was 30 years ago? Um, in, in how he flows. No, he's not. But he's still learning and he's still enjoying. And I think that's what, uh, writers will do, whether it's short stories. I mean, there's so many different variations of the craft of what can be done and where you go. So, you know, Jerry, when we come back, we're going to, we're going to be back in about a minute. Um, and for our final segment, I would love to have you kind of do a overview. You know, it may be kind of a beginning and and a cycle, the cycle of a writer. And then I would love to get into, if we could, this lovely thing called a platform Mm -hmm. and what it is, why it's important. um, And that also, in my opinion, platform also is never ending. There's evolutions to it as we go back and forth. Would you would you agree with that or do you have other ideas? Okay. I'll be eager to talk about it. Oh, perfect. All right. So everyone with me is the awesome Jerry Jenkins, author of a gazillion books like 200, over 71 million in copies, and he is a master at the craft of writing, and he's going to reveal more. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these. The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and guide to collaborate with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You do not need more problems. You want solutions. Dr. Judith Riles will shepherd you through the maze and chaos. 
At times, she has had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher, by a publishing service provider, and sometimes even by the author. If you want author and book success, connect with her today at thebookshepherd.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. If you want to write and publish a book. If you want to be successful as an author. Your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. With me is author Jerry Jenkins. His last book out was Dead Sea Rising, and right now he is in the midst of finishing up the sequel, which will be out in early 2021. Listen, if, you know, we're talking about writing and skills in that Jerry has a class uh, that he does uh, routinely. It's ongoing. You can find out information about his guild at jerryjenkins.com. Um, I do a class on how to write the first draft of your nonfiction book in four weeks. But you're thinking four weeks. Oh, my gosh. Well. Did you know that Charles Dickens wrote the entire manuscript of A Christmas Carol in six weeks? Or Robert Louis Stevenson wrote The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in 72 hours? Or Sylvester Stallone wrote the screenplay for Rocky in 40 hours, 48 hours? Listen, don't let perfection, which Jerry and I talked about, Holds you back. You've got to get the drafts done. You've got to get words start going, and then you can come back and fine tune them with that. Um, so I'll just kind of lead our final segment. We just we have about eleven minutes as we do a wrap up. I wanted Jerry to make sure we talked about really maybe the full cycle. What's the full cycle of a book, Jerry, of a writer's life for one book? Well, yeah. When when once you've got your and of course. Um, for, for people that have done it before and, and have a publisher, you you know you're submitting your idea, your latest idea, and you you get your contract and and get a deadline, and and then it's a matter of you know as we say getting that first draft down, and uh, and regardless of how you revise and rewrite, you want to separate those tasks, the the writing from the revising. Um, because it, it really, they really are different disciplines. You, on one, you um, you want to make sure you're not a perfectionist because that'll slow you to a crawl. Uh, on the other end, when you're revising, you want to be happy with every word before you submit it. Um, and then once you submit it, then the publisher's editor, editorial staff, will take it. And um, the best way to work with them is usually they'll send you back um, their their notes. And what I tend to do, even at this stage in my career, I know that the, 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 my first reading of their notes, anything they don't like is going to offend me because I work so hard on it. And it's and people will say, well, don't take it personally. It's not you. It's the writing. What's more us than our writing? We're putting our whole soul on the on the page. So what I do is I read I read the, their notes. And I go ahead and, and get personally offended, <laughs> and, and I make sure 
I don't respond for 24 hours because I might be defensive and say, you know, how dare you and <laughs> that type of thing. And in that 24 hours, I get mellow. And, and I realize we're on the same team. We both want the same result. We both want this to be the best it can be. Now, what in here do I agree with and do I resonate with? And what do I want to fight for and say, no, here's why I did this. And I love when they say, we need a little more of this or a little less of that, or I didn't understand this. Uh, and they let me do the, the work. Now, with new writers, they might, rather than let you do it, they may be suggesting and saying, here's, here's how we would write this. Um, and and you just have to decide what you can live with and what you want to fight for. Um, and then once, the, but once that's done, uh, you you agree on on the final version of the manuscript, and then you get uh, galley proofs, which are what the book would would look like in print if they printed it today. There will still be typographical errors. There'll still be little places where we want to change things, uh, and they give you a certain amount of time to to, to do that. And often in contracts, um, it'll say if you change more than 10%, it might cost you because we're ready to go here. We've got this set in type. And, and uh, But you, you go back and forth on, the, on those kind of adjustments. And uh, eventually, uh, you get to, the, to where you're signing off and saying, uh, if, if the finished book looks like these galleys, I'm good to go. And they're good to go. And uh, in the meantime, they're doing their promotion and their, their marketing and their cataloging and PR and all kinds of stuff, uh, scheduling promotion, and and, uh, and we're, we're going to talk about platform in a second, but that's a big thing these days, too, is your, your ability to promote your own book. That's a huge responsibility, and uh, a lot of writers are introverts and would rather not do that kind of work. They want to just write the book and let the publisher promote it. Um, that won't get you published these days. You need to be prepared to represent your your book uh, wherever the publisher wants you to and wherever you can think of doing it to. You've got to let people know it's out there. It's got to make noise in the marketplace. But then the publisher does the you know typesetting, printing, binding, warehousing. They put it on an e-book. They might have a, an audio book. Um, and all that stuff is, is happening at the same time. And uh, that's the fun part of the business. I mean, we all would like to just be in a corner and write and hope everything works out. But it's fun to be involved in every stage and see how that all comes together. Um, and then there's there's that release date. And uh, everything is, is predicated on that. that how is this going to uh, appear in the marketplace? And will it gain traction and, and continue to sell? That's, that's the hope and dream of every writer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I used to say that, um, well, when I started, you started writing uh, a few years before I did, and that I was one of those authors that, uh, that they took care of all that. We didn't have to think about a platform, for heaven's sakes, um, and that they really did all the marketing and the advertising. And that's so change today and where you say that these authors, you know, really are introverts. They are, but, but my responses get over it because you do, you, it's a big, it's a capital G people get over it. 
and that you've got to get out there and really promote uh, on it and that they, they're waiting to see. And it used to be in the old days, Jerry, at least it, when I started publishing in 81, that if a book, they, they kind of watched if your book, they give you six weeks to two months to see if some traction would come up, if their advertising and marketing they would do was going to start hitting and sticking and, and warrant that. Well, it's not that way today. It's much shorter. They, they want to see. And that's why you, dear author, have got to have the contacts and the push out and the shout out capability to really move your book. And if you don't, um, you know, it could be a short lived venture. Do you want to add to that at all, Jerry? Yeah, I, I was old school and I fought this at, at first. Um, you know, you're right back, especially when I started you know, publishing in 74. The word platform didn't even exist in publishing. Platform was no. the stage that you stood on. Yeah. And and it still has that sort of meaning. But when I started getting into teaching writing, people would come to me and they'd say, well, these publishers are asking what my platform is. And it's all about platform. And I'm thinking, no, just write your book and spend all your time doing that. And the writing will carry you like it did me. And what I didn't realize was I had a platform because my books worked and in that old school way. So I had a following and I, and I had a platform, didn't even know it. But I kept fighting that. And finally, I, I thought, I need to educate myself on this. So I talked to agents and editors. And I said, are you really telling new writers they have to have a platform? And they said, yes, it's, the, it's a fact of life. We are going to lean toward the person who brings us the biggest audience from day one. Well, to me, it sounded like a catch-22. How do they get the audience if they haven't got the book out? They need to figure it out. They need to be speaking on the subject. <laughs> they need to be an expert in something. They need to, you know, do blogging and, and all this stuff. And so I've had to tell people, you don't have to like it, but you do have to live with it. Because somebody who's got a radio show or a TV show or a big church or whatever, maybe they can't write a sentence, but they've got that platform. The yes, they do. The publisher will put a writer with them just to take advantage of that audience. You have to bring them a built-in audience. And, you know, people fight it. And I say, well, I think you can do 90-10. 90% of your time should be spent on making your writing the best it can be, but at least give 10% of your work day to building that platform, writing a blog, having an author page, getting yourself out there. Because if you don't, you're not going to get published. For, for sure, you're not going to get published traditionally. Well, not only for sure on the traditional, but let me talk about the self or the independent side, which is where I hang out now, that you're not going to sell any books. You're, right. you're not going to do it. The, the day that you think from the, the movie, back to movies, Jerry, the field of dreams, build it and they will come. No, they won't. Yep. You 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 have to lead them, dear people. <laughs> you've yep. got to you've got to lead them. So that if if you could see me why Jerry was talking, my head was just nodding up and down, <sighs> nodding in the affirmative. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and getting on that because it's so essential. So it's, it's and and the other thing I'll say, Jerry, to this is social media is the town hall for a lot of marketing today. So you need to find out what avenue you have to, you, you, you need everyone, please, please, please hear me. You need a website. Yep. 
and you need to start developing followers to it, that you'll do that with your blogs, your postings, the content, the wisdom that you start sharing long before your book is out. That's how you start doing that building. It's essential. Otherwise, you are going to be, oh, oh, where did this but where did this come from, this name? Left Behind. And you're going to be <laughs> left behind. Um, and that's not what you want to be. So you start putting up. And the reason why I am a nutsy person on websites is that you want to de- develop that email list because guess what? Social media, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever, those change almost every day. And what you thought you had was a solid presence may disappear very quickly. When you have your website, you own it. It's yours. When you develop your email list, oh, you own that one too. It's yours. That's how you develop those fans and followers. But that's my, that's my soapbox, Jerry. Yeah, and if you don't have a platform, you will be left behind. (laughs) So See how I promote even when I'm talking about platforms. (laughs) And I'm proud of you. (laughs) That that you do need to really think about that. How can you engage? What do you have that you could offer to your fans and and keep that going and, and get them involved with you before they actually have a book in hand so that when you have it, they're ready to leap on? Jerry, I've got about 30 seconds. Is there any one last tidbit you'd like to add? Yes. When you're blogging, make sure that you're thinking reader first. So many people I see start blogs and it's about me and my books and my sales and my family. Benefit the reader and they'll keep coming back. And then when they hear about your book, they'll want to read it because you've benefited them. Yeah, that will be an amen for me because (laughs) and, and that also is on social media. When you're putting out, it's not buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. It's sharing content. And with that, Jerry Jenkins, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. I could talk to you all day about books. We can. All right, everyone. Have a great week. We'll be back with you next week on Author You, your guide to book publishing. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Each week.